Hello and welcome to another episode of the Narrative Labyrinth. My name's Rachel, and in a change from our normal way of doing things, I'm just going to talk to you today. A young girl with brown hair sits in front of a desk, slowly writing in her book. She wears a green jumper, and there's a cat sat staring out of her window. The mood is soft, she's deep in thought. This is The Lo-Fi Girl. The Lo-Fi Girl is an internet icon, an animation that plays on loop over the lo-fi hip-hop radio beats designed for relaxing and studying, broadcasting on YouTube streams all around the world. Over the past two years, I've been using YouTube live radio channels with this style of music, often referred to as lo-fi. I found it great for writing essays and studying too, as well as calming and comforting when it feels like an endless expanse of internet is sat in front of me. And given the last couple of years, a pretty doomed internet at that. I'm not alone either, as there seems to be no shortage of people who are finding themselves drawn to the heavily sampled, chilled out delights of synthwave, chill wave and chill lo-fi beats. But first, what is lo-fi and why are these quote-unquote younger generations obsessed with it as a medium? Lo-fi is largely a music-centric aesthetic that utilises muted tones and mundane imagery to evoke a feeling of calm and nostalgia. Lo-fi itself represents a subgenre of electronic music that shares quality with down-tempo music, the chill wave scene, hip-hop, house, jazz, easy listening, and hip-hop beats and samples with a DIY music feel to them, emphasising imperfections and home-like qualities of analogue recordings. This results in dreamy audio with a relaxed retro sound that many have found ideal for background music, and especially, like me, studying. If you search lo-fi or lo-fi aesthetic on the internet, you are presented with hundreds of images, thousands of images, that are in this kind of pinks and blues retro colour palette, maybe featuring retro technology, maybe some elements of limitless space, maybe even some glitch aesthetics around the edge. But it's pretty solid whatever it is. There's a clear theme running through. Purples, loneliness, individuality and isolation. The mundane, where there is no need for mundane. As we said, lo-fi starts with the music. Lo-fi came about in the 50s. It was this new wave of amateur musicians begin making records on the most minimal of money, giving way to more imperfections in the recordings. But people kind of fell in love with this DIY nature. They liked the way it sounded. They liked the idea of these imperfections, adding it maybe a human quality. Somewhere down the line, lo-fi got this strong connection with youth and artists and anime. 
The Beach Boys helped establish lo-fi as a music aesthetic, but it really came to its own in the 80s and 90s. Lo-fi in this period was particularly popularised by American Garage, British Punk and Norwegian Black Metal. They'd use these freeform structures that were often seen within jazz. It gave the music a different sound and a different quality, something that definitely sounded against the mainstream. In the 90s, it's even arguable that bands like R.E.M. and Beck started with this kind of lo-fi vibe, which they kind of kept elements of throughout their career. But as they became more manufactured with bigger budgets, they didn't need it as much. By the late noughties, this lo-fi aesthetic had kind of homogenised a little with chill wave and synth wave, two other growing music genres. With the birth of the internet and the maturing of the internet, people more easily could access what they wanted in terms of their music style. In 2013 on YouTube, lo-fi artists began crafting playlists on YouTube and other streaming services. Then, by 2015, a YouTube channel called Chill Cow, later known as Lo-Fi Girl, became a sort of lo-fi hip-hop radio station, and it broadcast this continuous live stream, and by 2017, had broadcast nearly 30,000 hours to its over 7 million subscribers. Chilled Cow was set up by French archist Dimitri. It began streaming lo-fi music in 2017, and this winning combination earned him millions of followers almost instantly. Lo-Fi Girl is a 24-7 music streaming specialising in lo-fi and hip-hop beats. The channel uses character, Lo-Fi Girl, originally from the anime Whispers of the Heart, yet again giving us that fostering connection between anime and lo-fi. And it's grown to over 10 million, probably now by the time this comes out, 11 million subscribers around the world. The channel is deemed one of the most popular ways of discovering artists within the genre. So now we know about the music. What else does it mean? How is the lo-fi girl the sign of youth culture and Gen Z in the 21st century? We now see people dressing as the lo-fi girl for Halloween. There's memes and fan art and spin-off streams and costumes and you can go on Redbubble and buy a sticker of the lo-fi girl. So at this point, she's everywhere. But where this gets interesting is the visuals. It kind of utilises this vintage-inspired tones of the 80s, but with a kind of muted edge. Think Sanji Perino from Black Mirror and you're starting to get in the right direction. Colours that might appear vivid in photographs, or more specifically Polaroids, will instead be desaturated and toned down, resulting in this kind of dated or faded appearance. These use of pastel colours incorporating low-quality visuals and graphics and sounds. Dreamy nostalgia with this intentional degradation of image quality. But what it's really hinting at is a pre-HD era, in some cases pre-digital, hitting that sweet spot from the 70s to the 2000s, although you can definitely say it's more focused on the 90s and 2000s. So why do they love it? Why have they picked this as their anti-culture, counterculture icon. You cannot deny there is a push, particularly within Gen Z and even Gen Alpha now they're getting there, to reject the perfectionism of content, particularly online. There is a rejection of perfectionism 
and a rejection of that high quality, polished, beautiful look. Kind of that strive for analog in a digital age, even though they themselves have never experienced that analog for real. We see this anti-perfectionism in lots of media that young people consume. We only have to watch a couple of TikTok videos and YouTube videos, particularly from home streamers or gamers, where they jump cut, they expand their face, they distort the audio, they intentionally make it look imperfect. It's yet again that strive to prove that not everything has to be perfect and shiny. We often hear of how absurd and isolationist the humour of Gen Z is. They're deeply anxious. They grew up in a post-post 9-11 world. If you think about millennials, you could sum them up as SNL sketches and Adult Swim and a birth of the internet that no one really had any idea how to run. When you think of Gen Z, you have to remember they have lived with a threat of climate change, war, terrorism, a time of economic crisis and school shootings, global pandemics, and even the death of Vine, which, in my opinion, is the worst out of the lot. Stuff comes and goes for them so quickly, especially online. Gen Z have this warped version of nihilism that can only possibly come from constantly living through bad things that would be deemed generation-defining or historic. In fact, a report by the American Psychological Association says 91% of Gen Z between the ages of 18 and 21 have experienced at least one physical or emotional symptom due to stress over the past months, compared to only 74% of adults overall. When you put that in perspective, you are talking about people that are more stressed and constantly barraged with perfection, with filters and changes and everything else. So if they've got all that, is it surprising that they're rallying against it? Is it surprising that Gen Z are obsessed with NFTs when they've lived their entire life in a time when what is on the internet is also reality? They have no concept of physical art when all the art they've grown up with has been online. All this perfection. And this lo-fi is a rejection of that. When something starts off organically with people, it's not long before brands start to take interest as well. And we're starting to see the indie labels and things are taking on this aesthetic. But it's noticeable that brands have taken it in a more traditional direction of adding rock, where the more organic way people do it has got a more pop and jazz vibe. So there is a science behind lo-fi, and I want to talk a little bit about it. So it's well known that music can boost productivity in people, and there's a lot of thought. But and there's a lot of thought behind this, and a lot of that is because actually, as humans, we work really well in silence. But silence isn't a thing we get very easily because our lives are surrounded by things. The environment around us makes noise. If I'm trying to sit at home and do some work. I might hear cars going past or maybe a dog barking at the other end of the street or my dog. I might be able to hear the hum of the fridge or the washing machine running. All these things, these environmental noises are distracting to our brain. But we can use music to override that, to create like an audio bubble of safety that we work in. 
But why is lo-fi so good to create that audio bubble? Well, there's a couple of different things behind this. Lo-fi blends really well three key elements. It's got that iconic kind of jazz instrumental intro and then moves to like a bass snare beat main section that is slightly off kilter. And this section our brain gets used to. It kind of falls into a nice rhythm. We know what's coming, but it's just slightly interesting enough to keep us engaged. And the final element is the intentional environmental sounds, which push further into the idea of imperfection that resonates within the genre of lo-fi as a whole. Adding these environmental factors and combining them with the beats and semi-repetitive nature, our brain is tricked into thinking the music is not directly into our earphones or headphones, but is part of the ambience around us. And our brain can use a lot less energy to tune it out. It basically is like fake silence that we can pull into our brain. If there's too much beat or it's too heavy, it might distract us. If there's vocals, it might distract us. The track changing can distract us. This is why, although playlists might be great, lots of people prefer these long, lo-fi radio stations or several hour long mixes. There has been loads and loads of studies about why this works and how it definitely doesn't work for everyone and certainly doesn't work for everyone for all tasks. I know lo-fi is amazing to get me studying. It is really bad if I'm trying to drive or do some housework. Then I need something upbeat. I need to engage my brain because I'm not engaging it in another way. But people have tried to feed AI and have spent lots of time trying to put these kind of set parameters into AI to create lo-fi. And like with all AI art, it's definitely far from perfect. And maybe that's because like the conventions of the genre, it requires a non-digital touch. It requires that analog imperfection that AI cannot yet master. Lo-fi is starting to drop now into fashion where we're seeing the e-girl slash e-boy look being infected with synthwave and lo-fi. We are starting to see those colour palettes appear more in our clothing as we move out of the big heyday of the 80s and 90s affecting our fashion styles and moving into the noughties. We are still competing against the acid wash jeans and the fluorescent yellow trainers but there's a certain charm to the low quality, lo-fi style that's being implemented. Why have I said all this? That's a really good question. You could just say I couldn't be bothered to find a guest. Really, I wanted an excuse to talk about lo-fi and its continued rejection of perfection. I think maybe there's something we could all take away from that. Maybe we all should reject perfectionism just a little bit more. But at the heart of this, this is because when I've got loads and loads of work to do, there is nothing quite like throwing on the lo-fi girl and listening to some chilled out lo-fi music.
Thank you for listening to the Narrative Labyrinth. This has been an odd episode. I have no guests to thank. They have no parting words or anything to shamelessly plug. And I don't really have any of those things either. The only person I do have to thank today is CJ, who's a Northwest, so Manchester-based artist who has created the music for today's episode in true lo-fi fashion. Their SoundCloud link is in the description and they're available for commissions for music, intro, outro and any kind of audioscaping and you should check them out. This episode I've tried to keep some of the imperfections in to reflect the lo-fi analogue style. It's definitely been a challenge for me to produce an imperfect episode. But that's part of the charm, right? Don't forget to catch the next episode of The Narrative Labyrinth and all my previous episodes, where we'll yet again delve into the depths of narrative on the screen, on the page, and in the stories we create and play ourselves. You can find The Narrative Labyrinth on many social media sites. Can we still say Twitter? And you can catch our actual streams on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Podbean, and a host of other good and not so good podcasting streams. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.